White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter, Ecknerwall23. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill, and the show is at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Go there, subscribe, hit the notifications bell so you can see exactly when we drop a video on the Lockdown Sox YouTube page. Without any further ado, here is Chris Tannehill. Chris, oh, how you doing? Oh, hi, Herb. I'm doing well tonight. It's our last episode of the week. We're going to have a nice uh, long break here for Monday before the next mailbag. And tonight, on episode 157, we're going to sort of bask in the glow of, of the Liam Hendricks signing. Like We did it very, very quick reactions uh, you know, on Monday night and, you know, it's had a chance to settle a little bit, had a chance to get this, the Liam Hendricks uh, signing snifter out and really enjoy all the talons or the tannins, not the talons, the tannins. Uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit, uh, what it means for the White Sox bullpen. Also, a, a notable baseball Bigfoot has voted yes to Mark Burley in the Hall of Fame. We'll tell you who that is later on. We're going to get to a mailbag, too. This is a What Up Wednesday edition of, of Lockdown White Sox. we got a mailbag for you guys tonight, too. But first, let's get into it here, Herb. So Liam Hendricks is, is a White Sox, and, you know, we've had a chance to sort of dwell on this for a little bit, and, you know, the, the naysayers and the, the negative Nancys have kind of gone away a little bit, and now you're starting to see a lot of national figures praise the White Sox. Jeff Passan notably praising the Sox, and just many others finally realizing the the gravity of the situation and, and what it is. Uh, by the way, Liam Hendricks. So, I just the more I've been thinking about it, the more I really, really love the move, and the more I really like Liam Hendricks, the guy. Uh, Trevor Bauer tweeting not at you know soon after we did our podcast the other night. Uh, Trevor Bauer tweeting out a, a link to a YouTube video, basically mm-hmm. chronicling. Liam Hendricks's entire career, like all the like five times I think it was DFA'd and just him sort of narrating his own career and looking back on things and you know leading us to where he is now, you know it's pretty powerful stuff, man. And we're gonna get into it in a second. I got a special audio clip here. I'll play for you guys, but just Liam Hendricks as a guy is just incredibly fascinating, and and I I love his his bravado. I love his confidence, and he just he's just gonna do so many great things for the White Sox in 2021. I believe so, too. And I saw that video that uh, Trevor's company Momentum had uh, released. And, man, it makes the signing even better. You know, you're just supposed to be like a uniform, a guy in your uniform. So maybe not think about his struggle. Maybe not think about all the rest of the stuff. You're just thinking about the performance and what happens. But when you hear this guy's story and understand that he had to go through so much, DFA, like you said, five times, mercy to go to that and like to an all-star like in one year like i think he got dfa'd by either the twins or the blue jays and then the next year he's an all-star that's what i'm talking about and then 
at the end of 2020, he's voted as the best reliever in the game. It's like our Lucas Giolito story to a certain extent. The worst pitcher in baseball in 2018 to 2019 being a Cy Young candidate and throwing a no-hitter in 2020 and another Cy Young candidate. This is what I'm talking about. I enjoy those stories of guys who had to go through hardships in the majors and then remade themselves to all-star caliber players. And it's so great that we got this guy. I encourage you guys to go out and watch on YouTube. Uh, Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja, you know, if you're not familiar with, with him, he does great work during the season and even postseason handing out his pitching ninja awards. You know, we, we talk about it a lot when we do our postgame recaps, like, you know, if Aaron Bummer or someone was, was showcased on Pitching Ninja. But he had a chance to sit down and talk with Liam Hendricks and sort of get to know him as a guy. And it was a really great interview because you got to know him as a person. He, he walked us through his, his career. He even talked about how he picked up velocity uh, you know, you know, well into his career and sort of how that led to his transformation mentally and physically. And it's interesting stuff. So if, if you have, you know, curiosity about how he was able to pick up that extra velo, uh, watch the interview for the long form breakdown of it. But it's really good stuff. But just in terms of him as a personality and, you know, he was all fired up when uh, when when the, the White Sox were eliminated and he got that final strikeout of Nomar Mazzara. And he's the exact guy you want at the back end of your bullpen to hand the ball to when the most important outs of a game, the final three outs, are, are sitting there waiting for you. As uh, you know, Ed and DJ used to say, the man we've been waiting for. You know, uh, the, you know when he comes up to the plate, you want Liam Hendricks on the other side, and he wants to be out there too. Listen to this and tell me you don't love this. It's me versus him. There's no number. I don't care who's in the box. I'm going to beat that guy in that specific at bat. I know I'm better than him. I always put it like I'm an egotistical narcissist on the mound when I pitch. Off the field, I feel like I'm relatively humble. I mean, probably not. But I feel like on the mound, like I am better than every single person that is on the other team. And I'm going to prove it to you every single night. And that's just how it's it's been because – I mean, I'm sure you've spoken to other people. If you ever doubt your pitch, even if it's the correct pitch in the great location with everything going for it, it doesn't have the same weight as a guy who throws the wrong pitch with conviction. You know, that's one of my things, Herb. How often do we talk about Dylan Cease or any of these other young guys not pitching with conviction? And I think mm-hmm. even just from him being uh, – you know, a plus war player in the bullpen and, and shortening the game. But just I think if he can sort of pass on that mentality, of, you know, it's almost like he's a professional wrestler out there talking himself into being a character once he gets that ball in the ninth inning. But if he can pass on some of those jewels, like, you know, uh, pitching with conviction and just believing in yourself, if that stuff rubs off on other guys around him, and maybe not even just the bullpen guys, you think about a guy like Zach Birdie, who you know was was up briefly in 2020 and then got shelled a bit and then we never saw him again. So think about guys like that and then guys in the rotation, Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, just learning from a guy like this. Like I think he his presence is going to be invaluable both on and off the field. Yeah, like mindset and attitude go a far way. Like he said, I'd rather throw a bad pitch with conviction than a good pitch without. He's got that sting to know it's like it's me versus you. One-on-one, mano-a-mano. Because I think in the momentum piece, he was just saying, like, he worried about and did things that other people wanted him to do instead of doing the things that got him to that point. And now he realizes, like, this is, you know, being DFA'd is not fun. And maybe thinking about going back to Australia wasn't fun. And, you know, he still, he I think, when out of high school, he had a choice between Australian rules football and baseball, and he was – contemplating that like going back to australia and maybe giving that a shot and he's like no f that i'm gonna play baseball until they kick me out 
And so if I'm going to play baseball till they kick me out, I'm going to do it on my terms. And my terms is get my mind right. The, the right mentality can carry you farther than you knew, than you can go initially. I used to be in sales and, and wasn't good at it, but they used to have a saying about fake it until you make it. And maybe he faked it until he made it, until he understood, like, yeah, I can get this next guy out. I have the stuff. I believe in my stuff. If he hits it, he hits it. And my people behind me will field it. But he can't hit me but strike his ass out because he had 13 per uh, per nine inning last year, and uh, he was filthy. Yeah, I don't know when we're going to hear from him this week in uh, his first White Sox press conference. I think it'll be soon, but I'm, I'm just looking forward to the, the Chicago media meeting him. And, you know, from all accounts, we're hearing that he's just a great guy, an interesting guy. So I'm looking forward to that. But you tweeted a link today to a fan graphs piece by Tony Wolf. The, the piece basically highlighting how dangerous the White Sox bullpen could be in 2021 with the addition of Liam Hendricks. And here's just a little, little excerpt of that. Much to the chagrin of the other AL Central team, Chicago's bullpen doesn't look like it's going to be average, and it definitely doesn't look like it's going to be awful. That much was made clear when the White Sox signed Liam Hendricks, the best reliever this year in the free agent class, and at worst, the top three or four reliever in baseball on Monday. Since the start of 2019, he has been nearly two wins more valuable than any other relief arm in baseball, posting a 179 earn run average and a 170 FIP in mm. 110 and oh third inning. Our depth charts have Hendricks forecast for a 1.6 war in 2021, tying him with Aroldis Chapman and Edwin Diaz for the highest relief war projection in baseball. With that considerable boost, the White Sox bullpen now projects to be the second best in all of baseball, albeit with loads of free agent talent still to be signed. So we talked about it the other night, the White Sox bullpen turning into um, a, going from a strength uh, to going to a considerable strength, almost like a weapon, almost like you know an element of your team that people have to game plan for. So that's a, what a stark contrast. And if you read the piece, they talk about Evan Marshall, a guy who you're always talking about and is very high on. And I, I'll never forget that episode we did early on in 2020 in the season when Aaron Bummer went down and I said, well, here we go, you know, Evan Marshall, high leverage relief guy, and he turned himself into that. So they, they chronicle mm-hmm. how he got to that point. There's a lot of good stuff in there. They, they talk about Zach Birdie briefly, but I, I really encourage you guys to read that piece at, at Fangraphs. But I'm really excited to watch this bullpen get after it. And I know you shouldn't be excited about that. You know, you hope your pitchers go six, seven innings every time. But those, those days are gone, especially when you have a lot of young guys on your staff. And if you've got – depth options in the bullpen like why not save you know some of the bullets in Dallas Keuchel's gun you know give Giolito a little breather now and then so they're ready for the postseason because this team is now built for October I know when we didn't have a good bullpen starters would feel the burden on them to get the things going and I gotta carry this game and you should have that type of mentality as a starter but I feel like if you have a great bullpen those starters relax they say, you know what? I go out and pitch my game too. And if I struggle, I got my people behind me, both offensively and in the bullpen. So I think it relaxes them a little bit more. They're less tight about what they're going to be throwing because they know their people got them no matter what. And if I leave this game, this game's going to be in great hands. I still get the W because some pitchers still care about those wins and losses. So I think it's best for everybody, like even mentality wise, not even like physical like you see the bullpen doing things just when you start a game you're like man i go six game over six and give two or three up game is over my offense is going to score much more than that and my bullpen is going to shut them down it's going to hold me up so it's a win 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 for everybody involved it was such a great move and i'm like 
warming up to it even more. Like I loved it initially, but like even more when I see it, it like opens up so many avenues. And I think there's going to be more things to come for White Sox free agency. So I'm positive on that. Yeah, man. It, you know, when fans are allowed back on the south side, man, I can't wait. Like, it's going to be rocking when he comes out of that bullpen in the ninth inning and your team hopefully is in first place. You're going up against the Twins maybe and looking to get a couple game separation, you know, a little swing in a series, and Liam Hendricks comes out and shuts the door and you got people in the stands. Like, I can't wait for that moment, man. It's going to be fun, reminiscent of the days of back when Bobby Jenks was back in the bullpen on the south side. So I just pray, even though I like him, no – Man uh, down under song or whatever that is, <laughs> land down under song or man at work, yeah, <laughs> man at work. I, like I played them all the time when it's who can it be now because it's a great song, but no hack Australian things, even though I did the hack Australian thing the other day and put a picture of Crocodile Dundee out there. But whatever. No, he's got um, his own. Ent- I, he's got his own entrance music. I was looking up the other day. It's something. Is it in excess? It's something. No, <laughs> no. It's something crazy. It's like a, it's like a queen, ma- like a, a queen dubstep or you know a mashup of of we will rock you with with some other like drum and bass. Like I don't even know. I'm so sounds so washed talking about it. But these guys all have their handpicked music. I think you know. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But we're gonna take a quick time out here on Lockdown White Sox, and after a break here. We're going to tell you who that baseball writer, very prominent national baseball writer, who it was that voted yes to Mark Burley for induction in Cooperstown. We'll get to the mailbag. We'll do socks in the city and much more. Stay with us here on Locked on White Sox. And this episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by betonline.ag. You guys ready for some football? College football is in the books, but there's plenty of big NFL matchups this weekend. Playoffs just getting underway, just getting in high gear here. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Herb, we talked about it, but I, I can't stop looking at this Packers line. Right, There are still just six-and-a-half-point favorites against the L.A. Rams that Saturday 435 tilt there, and I'm inclined to pound that over too. There's no, no one playing better than Aaron Rodgers right now, and with that West Coast team going into Lambeau with a week of rest the Packers have, like you know, I find it hard to believe here that I'm not going to pound that over and pound that uh, six and a half. I think the Packers cover that easily. There's also you know Baltimore and, and Buffalo. I think just you know I don't know if I'm going to touch that one because the uh, the Bills only two and a half point favorites there. That one's going to be a tightly contested game, but it's going to be a fun one. What are you looking at this weekend? I was looking at that Buffalo-Baltimore game right there. Saturday night, it's the marquee game. Buffalo, I think, is a team of destiny. So if you're going to betonline.ag, you see that they're two-and-a-half-point favorites. At home, you usually get three points minimum, and this is garbage. I think Buffalo is the far superior team. I'm hopping all over that, laying those two-and-a-half points and going with the Bills there. Josh Allen's been Excellent this year, almost an MVP. He's going to be beat out by Aaron Rodgers and Stefan Diggs, probably a top five wide receiver this year. So I'm all I'm all good for that two and a half. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore, friends. Get in on the action and don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to get that fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and we're also brought to you today by rockauto.com. You know, friends, there's so many different makes and models these days of automobiles. It's nearly impossible for the local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that your car is going to ever need. So why endure that 
stupid process of going into a store and asking the questions that you maybe don't know the answers to and they ask you questions that you're not sure like is your car an LX or EX while the person at the counter goes through their very slow computer and finds what parts that their warehouse has why do all that when you have access to rockauto.com's inventory right in your pocket and that's your cell phone you, you silly goose so there's so many different reasons to maintain and repair your cars, but obviously the big one is to save money in the long term so you can take that money and do things that you rather do, like maybe get some uh, baseball tickets this season or do some other fun stuff with your family. So go to rockauto.com and you can save money on all the parts that your car is ever going to need. Rockauto.com is a family business. They serve auto parts customers online for over 20 years. So go to rockauto.com now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of of manufacturers their website's so easy to navigate you just go in there search for the parts that you're looking for add it to your cart buy it and wait for you to arrive at your door and no need to sign up for a silly email and you forget your password it's none of that it's so simple and best of all folks rockauto.com's prices are always reliably low and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers like herb and i so why spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you don't have to go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts your car or truck is ever going to need and do us this favor right locked on in the how'd you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com everybody up here at us cellular Sox five runs, six hits. The 2-1 to Bartlett. Swing shot to short. Ramirez has it, throws. Burley picks the perfect game. His second no-hitter. He no-hits the Tampa Bay Rays. People going crazy here at USLR. He's mobbed by his teammates. A perfecto. It couldn't happen to a better guy. We're back on Locked on White Sox, Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. 2020 is mercifully over, and it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and you want more wins, listen to our friends at Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college hoops, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Herb, so real quick before we get to this bag, uh, did you see this, uh, the, the notable baseball Bigfoot who said yes to Mark Burley, a very prominent figure, a guy that who we enjoy very much? I did not see it. Ooh. Who was that? It was our guy, Michigan's own, a Michigan man, J.P. Uh, John Paul Morosi. Oh, my guy. Yeah. Oh, John Paul Morosi. How you guys doing? How you guys doing? It's good to have you there. I'm back in Michigan. My wife's a nurse. Yeah, John Paul Morosi, one of my favorite people in our game, and he's a contributor on the afternoon show. On six seven to the score, Herb's had the you know pleasure of talking to him and getting him on the phone. Brightens he, up your day every time. He does, man. He's 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 a he's a just a beam of positivity. He's also a very smart baseball guy, very plugged in, and I just I just love hearing his voice. And then when he tweeted out that he voted yes for Mark Burley, I was very excited. I told him that's why you're our guy, John. And here's what he said on MLB Network on why he voted yes for Mark Burley. Mark Burley, I that's wanted the first to do time this. I've seen Mark Burley on anybody's ballot. Yes, and so, and I appreciate you pointing that out, Harold. Here's why I'm, I'm going with Burley. I believe one of my standards, and we've talked about this before, if I'm going to write a summary of the era in which this player has played, does that player belong on a one-page, single-space summary to explain the history of that time? I believe that Mark Burley, from 2000 till 2015, 
is an historically significant pitcher during that time. He won a World Series. He started the All-Star game. He had All-Star appearances spanning from 2002 to 2014. Perfect game, no hitter, and the most innings pitched by anyone in the sport. And the fastest game. From 2000 games. until 2015. And exactly. And so in the perfect game, no hitter. I mean, this is someone who has had significant moments in the sport. Do I believe he's going to be elected this year? No. But it's his first time on the ballot, and I think it would be a real tragedy if Mark Burley is a one-and-done pitcher. Sometimes with my ballot, I have been known to do a strategic vote to make sure that a, a particular player gets a bump, to make sure he hangs around and gets further consideration. You look at Burley's numbers, they're similar to Tim Hudson, they're similar to Andy Pettit. And, and actually, if you look from 2000 to 2015, the years of his career, his ERA plus is the same as CC Sabathia. I believe CeCe's a Hall of Famer, and it's actually even a little bit better over that period of time than Andy Pettit. So Mark Burley, I believe, a historically significant pitcher. Do I think he's getting in this year? No. Do I think he'll ever get in? Perhaps not. But I believe he is someone that deserves a, a true historical hearing. And I'll tell you this, I, I really gave a lot of thought to Torrey Hunter in the same context. I believe that Torrey is a historically significant player during the time in which he played. I hope he is not a one and done. But in this case, it was Burley who I gave a support to. That's encouraging news here. I don't think... He'll get in, obviously, and it's going to be real close to see if he's even going to stay on the ballot. But uh, how about our guy, J.P. Jopal Morosi? And the Torrey Hunter thing, too. Like He knows what it is. Like He's a smart AL Central person. He's watched his division a lot over the years. He knows what Mark Burley meant to, to the White Sox and the baseball. So that's good stuff right there from our guy. Yeah, and he's bringing the outsider view and the view of somebody that is saying, this guy was pretty good. Like, I knew, you know, we know that Mark Burley is pretty good, but the – the historical uh, text about that, everybody pretty much believes that CeCe Sabathia is a Hall of Famer. And he said Mark Burley has the same ERA plus in the same amount of years as he does. So, you know, I've said that Mark Burley eventually will get in to the Hall of Fame or maybe close, like, you know, it'll be voted in by his peers type of thing. And, you know, if you got Jerry Reinsdorf and Tony La Russa out there, you know, get a little cl closer. So Mark Burley, you know, while I would love him to be in the Hall of Fame, uh, he'll probably fall short in the in the writers vote. And hopefully, like John Paul Morosi said, doesn't fall short where he gets like below five percent and gets kicked off the ballot or five votes and kicked off the ballot and get some consideration for later. Because those numbers like they're surprisingly great, like almost there. Like I didn't think he was even there there, but he is like there there like. I, better than Andy Pettit, I wouldn't have thought that. But, you know, that's that bias that I, even I have, that New York <laughs> bias. He, he gets elevated there, and he's a steroids guy, so which should be marking him down anyways. And Mark really was better than him. Amazing. Yeah, man. I, you know, I, I think, you know, we know. We talked to Joe Cowley. We know he voted for Burley. Mor Morosi votes for Burley. Chris DeLuca voted for Burley. Um, I haven't kept track of all the ballots. You know, I, frankly, I, I don't – doesn't matter a whole lot to me because I, I think you know what I said originally is what you said is we both believe he he will get in eventually but just not voted in definitely not a first ballot guy just because you know just a White Sox under the radar guy and not overly dominant in his career but I think eventually he will get in how long will it take I don't know but these kind of conversations that are happening now will help him later on so good for John Paul Morosi doing the right thing in our eyes and uh, voting yes to Mark Burley maybe we'll get him on the podcast one of these days I'm He's, oh, he's, he's like, yeah, let's something do it. I love he's, it. He's too nice to turn me down, even though we're just, we're a couple of slappies doing this podcast. I, I think he would do it. 
I just looked on uh, Ryan Thibodeau's uh, page where he keeps track of the public ballots for Hall of Fame voters. Yeah. Mark Burley currently has 13 votes, public votes. Okay. 9.2%. So both of those will give him over. I don't, yeah, under, you need to be under 5%, I believe, to get dropped off. And he has 9.2% right now. So that's good. That's a good start. All right, Herbie, should we open up the bag? Let's do it. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. We love your emails, Locked on White Sox listeners. How can they get a hold of us, Herb, to get on the next Mailbag Monday, which is going to be our next episode we do, unless Trevor Bauer signs and we do an emergency podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't do those. But how can people get a hold of us to get on the Mailbag Monday, Tuesday, or even What Up Wednesday is what we're doing right now. How can they do that? Send us an email to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Our email address is LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Any questions, any comments, keep them. (laughs) This one's going to be a weird. I'm not going to put any governors on that. No, fuck it. Any comments, (laughs) any questions you've got, don't have to be White Sox or baseball, as you'll see a little bit later. Well, yeah, maybe we'll see. Uh, I I don't think I'm just going to put it out there right now, friends. I don't know. I don't see any way. Uh, You know, we we, we, we do do have artistic freedom here. And, you know, uh, we don't get bothered much or pestered by the network to do certain things. But we are beholden to sponsors. And I think this week's uh, Uncle Pete email, I think it's too hot for TV or too hot for a podcast. So so maybe if they let us do Patreon, maybe we'll do that then. But Uncle Pete, thanks for reaching out. We got a short bag this week. Paulie Walnuts would not like the short bag. And don't get me to like you. I'm not the one with the short bag. Leonard Gore checking in. I don't know if he's ever sent us an email, but I know he's a longtime supporter of ours. Maybe it's been a while since we've read one of Leonard's emails, but he weighed in. This was before... The Liam Hendricks signing, so we're just you know uh, doing some housekeeping here. So here's what Leonard had to say: uh, We now have seen the rumors that Rick Hahn's favorite Picasso he sold at the garage sale for 25 cents, aka Fernando Tatis Jr. You know, some jackass traded Tatis is potentially lining up an extension that is basically the Manny Machado deal, around 10 years, 320 million. Now, we all know that Jerry would be needed to be sedated or some 25th Amendment shit enacted for that type of contract to occur for the White Sox. But Han has been extremely successful at getting so many of our young stars signed to, quote, big contracts, Eloy, Lou Bob, Moncada, all of whom who I might add fit into just one Tatis Jr. contract, by the way. So, should we stop hoping for that a huge mega contract to ever happen so long as Jerry is running the show? Oh, wait, never mind. This would just mean San Diego could afford two $300-plus-million-dollar contracts and the stupid Hosmer deal at the same time. I guess this was a long way of saying, fuck Jerry's cheap ass and go Padres <laughs> and Mets, baby. Signed, Leonard Gore. Yeah. Herb, do you think the Sox – you know, right now, this it's always an absurd – thing to throw out there like if you want to quiz someone like who is the biggest free agent contract the white Sox have ever signed it's yasmani grandal for 73 million dollars but herb do you ever think we'll see uh, a white Sox contract exceed upwards of 100 million dollars and keep in mind they're about to hand out two 300 million dollar contracts of the padre do you ever think we'll see a hundred let's just start at a hundred this is while i'm alive right <laughs> yeah, or just ever. Yeah, I mean, while we're alive, because obviously, ever, I think they they that'll happen. I would put no again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. 
<laughs> like um, they find a way to like have like cyborg Jerry Reinsdorf. Like they they freeze his brain <laughs> and he's still running the team. <laughs> and he's still no, not... Rick. You can't do it. <laughs> yeah, Rick. Rick Hans, That's like, still my money. Rick Hans, eighty five years old. <laughs> yeah. Oh come on, Jerry. Uh, come on, can I sign him? Um, yeah, let's see. I think uh, I've probably got like 20, 30, 40 years left in my life. Mm, yeah, I think I could outlive Jerry Reinsdorf, and then the new owner would gladly spend more than $100 million. No, as, as Jerry Reinsdorf, no, I don't think he will. Like, it took like pulling teeth to get Yasmani for 83, and I was an overspin, and rightfully so. You got it done. And I just don't see him bidding for somebody that is that valuable. They Rick Hahn already knocks out the good players on the team. So you don't have to worry about Robert or Eloy or Tim. Any like they're signed for long-term deals and Makata. So for him to go out and get a big time free agent, like I think it would take to get Trevor Bauer. No, I don't think he like a three or three, four year deal for somewhere upwards of $100 million? No, I don't think he'll do that for Trevor Bauer. I'm holding out hope, and I'm putting out in the universe just so it can just be out there and you ask for it and you receive it type of thing. But in my heart of hearts, no. Uh, um, Well, here's my bold prediction. Sox win the World Series in 2021. Oh God, while, while that's great. Yeah, yeah. While, so while they're out there, Reinsdorf is is you know well enough to to be at the podium. It's October. Doctor Fauci says we can have concerts again in the fall. You know things are no, relatively normal, except the White Sox are winning a World Series, so things are anything but normal. But they're, they're, Reinsdorf's got the World Series trophy in his hands. He's going to hand it over to Tony Larusa, who's half in the bag already, and then he turns to Jose Abreu. And he's about to hand him the trophy, but he puts the trophy down and hands him a $100 million contract over 100 years. <laughs> so so his so his son Dar- Dariel could enjoy the, the fruits of his daddy's labor, and he, he can have the Bobby Bonilla deal uh, times, times whatever, times two, uh, <laughs> or times three for the White Sox. I think that's the only way we see it in our lifetime, but I, I could definitely see that. And folks, if you you think we're wrong, if we are wrong, especially this off season, please cut this up, mark uh, bookmark <laughs> this, and bring it back to us and play it back to us, like you were saying, Herb. Yeah, Tanny. Like, Pro- prove us wrong, Jerry. Wrong. Prove us but, wrong. <laughs> but very seldom do do the White Sox prove me wrong. Very seldom. It's, it's a long time for these some bitches to prove me wrong. So, you guys know in your heart of hearts that he's not signing nobody for no hundred million dollars. That's that's real money to Jerry, apparently. Like, I can't even think of a situation where, you know, like it would, the AAV would be like, you know, shorter deal, but like a higher AAV, like maybe in 10 years, maybe. But I don't think Jerry won't be owning the team. I don't think by then. I don't know if it'll be Michael or if they'll just sell it. But, yeah, I, I just find it hard to believe. I just don't see who it would be for. Uh, Moncada's already got straightened out. Timmy, maybe on Timmy's second deal. You know, if they rip it up, like if T.A. continues to produce like he did in the playoffs, maybe they rip it up and, and, and extend him, especially after Tatis, one of his contemporaries, gets a big deal. T.A.'s not going to like that. Um, so he are, he's already seemingly unhappy. So maybe they do and, that. And I got the people out there who are yelling at their uh, whatever their podcast system is, <laughs> and they're like, oh, what about Master when he was offering Zach Wheeler $125 million? And what about – 
they almost got uh, Machado. You're offering him three hundred million yeah. if you get to thirty four, thirty five. <laughs> like they offered, it didn't work. Yeah, you know, doesn't you know? And just because you say something doesn't mean it's going real. That obviously those people rejected those deals. So yes, I don't believe it's going to happen in Jerry Light Rancher's lifetime. In my lifetime, possibly after the new owner comes in here. All right, that does it for the mailbag for this week, for this What Up Wednesday. we got plenty of good ones already lined up for Monday. We'll save those for then. Uh, what do you say, Herb? We do a little bit of uh, the segment that's sweeping the nation, and that's Socks in the City. You ready? Let's do it. Can you do Yeah. Can you sound my baseball? Sure. There. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow! That's good advice! It's the segment sweeping the nation. It's Socks in the City. It's your tales of meeting White Sox players out in public, maybe uncomfortable scenarios, maybe when you were a kid. Maybe it's an odd uh, interaction at at the ballpark when looking for an autograph. Could be whatever. It's just Socks in the City. It's all-encompassing. If you meet a White Sox player and it didn't go as planned, or maybe it went even better as planned, uh, let us know about those encounters, and this one is, is a good one. I like this one. It's one of my favorite ones we've done so far. This one coming in from Ryan today, and uh, Ryan writes this. Back in 2018, my dad and I went to a mini White Sox road trip. We started in Detroit, and then we're headed down to Cleveland. While at the Tigers game, they showed on the video board that Jordan Zimmerman was making a rehab start for the Toledo Mud Hens that night. So since it was on our way to Cleveland, we decided to stop in Toledo for a game. That's a great move right there. That's just that, mm-hmm. that's a sneaky, just that's good planning right there. Good on you and your and your pops. Uh, after the Mudheads game, I was walking across the street to my car and I see Jose Valentin. He was working for Ooh. the working for the Tigers at the time. Jose was my favorite player growing up. I played middle infield and wore number 22 because of him. I've been fortunate enough to meet a decent amount of players over the years, and I'm usually cool and collected, but with Jose, I absolutely fanboyed him. (laughs) He was really cool about it and even reminisced about some of those early 2000s White Sox teams with me. I called my dad over so he can get a picture of us, and I introduced him to Jose. The first thing my dad says is, Damn, you're still built like a brick shit house, <laughs> which is, by the way, a total dad thing to say. Like, you know, oh, like dads, God. dads, we don't know what to say. Uh, you know, you're trying to be cool, trying to compliment an athlete, and this that's how dad does it. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, my dad takes the picture. We say our goodbyes to Jose, and I, I look at the picture, which is blurry, and you can't make out who either of us are. This, Herb, this sounds like my picture with Frank Thomas uh, that Brendan McCaffrey took, where, like, <laughs> where Frank's ready for the picture but I clearly am not. Uh, Anyway, uh, Ryan says, pretty poor performance from my dad, but I now have plenty of great memories from that road trip capped off with meeting Jose Valentin on the streets of Toledo, Ohio. Great job with the pod. I look forward to listening to it every day. Thank you, Ryan. But yeah, uh, first of all, Ryan, I got to ask, how in the world... Was Jose Valentin your favorite player? Like, I don't get it. Like, people who have, like, their favorite player just because they played their position, that's an odd choice. Like, Jose Valentin was always the bane of our White Sox fan existence. Like, I can't tell you how many White Sox, like, uh, unofficial postgame shows I listened to with Jay Hood, and I think you produced some of those, where, where the theme of the night was lots of runs scored, but... Not great starting pitching from the fifth starter, and Jose Valentin committed another error. <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember, like, Jose would crack with the left-handed bat. He couldn't hit a lick with the right-handed stick, and like you said, he was a butcher in the field, but 
I remember some good times. I remember Jose Valentin more positive than negative. Yeah, I, I do. I do too. I do too. I think so. When he had that walk, did he walk it off against the Cubs after that? I think he had a. I know he had a grand slam versus yeah. the Cubs, and he did the Sammy thing. Like he did the kisses <laughs> yeah. to the to that's the right. uh, yeah. camera. It was awesome. That's that solidified me as a Jose Valentin guy. Yeah. And he kind of looked like a. Uh, Freddie Mercury too. He got that mustache, <laughs> got the chin. I was like, man, Freddie Mercury hitting home runs. It's all good. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm a big time hose guy. But not my favorite White Sox. But yeah, if you grew up probably in that era, you're in your early teens, something like that. That could I could see that being your favorite player because he was very extravagant. He hit a lot of home runs, uh, hit a clutch hit or two. But yeah, yeah, I remember one year he just gave up hitting right handed because he was so shitty at it. Yeah, man, it's just sort of like that's like I think the avatar of that of the pre World Series, two thousands White Sox teams. Like that's like a guy like that, just lots lots of power, but not much else. Like him, Carlos Lee. Just think about those guys right there. Um, and then of course, very soon after, like I, I remember that was a time where I thought this team is never going to win a World Series. Like this team is loaded. They figured out a way they can they can mash, but they just can't do anything else. And then. Lo and behold, uh, soon after, Ozzy Guillen hired, and then a year later after that, they, they clean house a little bit, change the culture, and then they're World Series champions. So that's a, like a, a lesson in baseball fan uh, you know, fandom right there, where you just never really know how quickly things can turn for your team one way or another. So uh, that does it for Socks in the City and What Up Wednesday edition of Locked on White Sox. So that's all I got. Next episode, yay, 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 will be Monday, Mailbag Monday, and hopefully we'll uh, be recapping the Liam Hendricks uh, press conference and anything of note that comes out of there, which should be pretty pretty chill. You know, it's a, it's a, it'll be a pretty positive thing. No Tony La Russa stuff to interfere. You know, they handed out a nice contract uh, to a good guy and a solid player, so it should be pretty chill. So we'll, we'll we'll recap whatever of note comes out of that. But that's all I got tonight, Herb. All right, that's Chris Tannehill. Follow him at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. Me, Herb Lawrence Ecknerwall twenty three on Twitter and follow the show at locked on socks, both on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And though every hundred subscriber, Chris Tannehill will pick out a special YouTube subscriber to send out a locked on white socks prize pack. So tell your friends, go yourself to go and subscribe to that YouTube channel, locked on socks on YouTube. So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this. What up Wednesday edition of locked on socks.